Welcome to the Choose You Netcast. This is Jim Langlois with the word from Joshua 2415. Choose you this day whom you will serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's my prayer that this netcast will encourage and cheer you on as we join forces to draw the line in the sand, defending our faith and our households in the resurrection power of Jesus. Join me each weekday as we dig deeply into God's amazing word and bring up the rich treasures of his blessings. Are you ready? Choose you this day. Whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, me and my house, me and my house. I said, choose you this day, whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, me and my house, me and my house. Good morning, NetWorld, and thank you for tuning in. Are you ready to get into the Word? Well, open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 6. We're going to read verses 1 through 3 as we continue in our series called Back to the Basics, as we study the elementary principles of Christ so we can go on to perfection and maturity. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, Let us go on to perfection, maturity, as I say, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. I'm so glad that he's going to permit us after we get through with this series. Amen. As we've been studying, we're looking at the six stones here, or six elementary principles, six foundation stones, as I like to see it, as part of a foundation of a home or a building. There's six mentioned in Hebrews chapter 6, but if you've been listening to this broadcast, I added one called the cornerstone, being Jesus Christ himself. That's the most important stone of any building uh, for the Lord. Amen. We find that in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 6. And then the other six are repentance from dead works, as mentioned in Hebrews 6, faith toward God, the doctrine of baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And we've been studying this. We've already covered the cornerstone pretty well. We've talked about repentance from dead works and faith toward God and how they're like sisters working together, repentance and faith working together to keep us humble and in the power of God at the same time. Amen. We're going to continue now with the next foundation stone, called the doctrine of baptisms. Notice how it's plural. It's not the doctrine of baptism. It's the doctrine of baptisms. That's because there's more than one. As a matter of fact, I find four in the New Testament, the first one being the baptism of repentance, the second one being the baptism into the body, the third one being the baptism in water, and the fourth being the baptism of the Holy Spirit or of fire. Much like we've been talking about repentance and faith, The first two are very, very similar. The baptism of repentance is mentioned in Mark 1, 4. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And then as we read in Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by The prophet Isaiah, saying the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. You see, this first baptism, that baptism of repentance mentioned by John, 
is a way to get everyone prepared for the way of the Lord to make his path straight. As a matter of fact, it's really clearly explained in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. It says, For godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation, not to be regretted. And like we mentioned in a previous broadcast, if we read that backwards, if we want salvation, we need to have repentance. If we want repentance, it's going to take a godly sorrow. I call it the wooing of the Holy Ghost. It happened to me many, many years ago when I knew I needed to make a change in my life. I was unhappy with the way I was acting, my behavior. I was actually in sin in many different areas of my life, and I knew I needed to make a change. And I knew there was something prodding me, something just talking to me about getting my life right. And what happened was that godly sorrow and that repentance that came to me brought me to Christ to find my salvation. I'm so glad for that godly sorrow. After Jesus returned from being tempted in the wilderness for 40 days, it says he returned in the power of the Spirit, and he began to preach. And it tells us what he began to preach in Matthew 4:17. It says, From that time, or after he came out of the wilderness, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So we see the same message going from John the Baptist Now Jesus is preaching that message. Why? Because it is a New Testament message. The word repentance, as we've studied before, means a change of mind. It's accompanied by a regret and a sorrow that leads to a change in behavior. You see, repentance brings us to Christ, and a continued heart of repentance keeps us there. It's repentance from dead works. It's a foundational principle of Christianity. I want to talk about Once saved, always saved. There's a lot of people who believe that. Once we're saved, we're always saved. However, I don't believe that because in Hebrews chapter 6, right after these six elementary principles, it starts the advanced teaching in verse 4. Now, let's listen to this. We're going to jump into the advanced just a little bit here. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4. We'll read through verse 6. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift or they were saved, they've come to know the Lord, and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit. In other words, they were filled with the Spirit. Verse 5, And have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come. In other words, the gifts of the Spirit and healing and miracles and the powers of the supernatural. Verse 6, It's impossible if they fall away to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. This first advanced teaching, beginning in verse 4, is all about that once saved, always saved, isn't true. You have to be careful. You can lose your salvation by rejecting Christ. It's true. Hard to believe that some people would do that, but it happens. You see, sin is still sin, and it will harm you if you continue in it. Jesus told the woman caught in adultery to go and sin no more. Yes, as Christians, we are the righteousness of God in Christ. However, Sin is still sin. We must understand that. Paul even identifies it this way. He says in Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He says, certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, 
Even so, we should also walk in the newness of life. Let's analyze what Paul is saying here. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Who's he talking to? He's talking to Christians. He says, certainly not. And then he says, why? If we've been forgiven, if we've been washed from our sin, why should we live any longer in it? If we now have the new nature of righteousness in us, why would we continue in sin? He says, do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? He says, if this is true, if we were buried with him through baptism into death, as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we should walk in newness of life. We shouldn't be continuing in sin. We should be continuing in faith works. In other words, he was saying we shouldn't be continuing in dead works. We should be continuing in works of faith or works of righteousness. So you see, the baptism of repentance is the preparation of the way to the Lord. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And as Christians, repentance is a way of life especially if we truly love the Lord and we fear God and want to have an honest relationship with him. I know in my own life, even as a Christian, I've made some mistakes. What do I do? I immediately repent. I say, Lord, I'm sorry. But then I also, by faith, receive his forgiveness for he's already paid the price. And so I get back in faith and go forward. But do I want to continue in sin? Why should I? No, I should continue in faith works and not dead works. As Christians, if we sin, will it send us to hell? Well, no, but if we're truly Christians, we should have a heart of sorrow and not continue in sin due to the grace that God has extended to us. Even though grace is still grace, well, sin is still sin. That's why Paul said, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He says no, because sin and grace both still exist. You see, what is right is still right, and what is wrong is still wrong. Romans 6, 4 says, therefore, if we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. So the baptism of repentance is a godly sorrow that comes by the wooing of the Spirit. It leads us to bow our knee, to want to come to Christ and receive him as our Lord. But even as Christians, we walk in a life of repentance. If we make any mistakes, we just ask God to forgive us immediately and turn and face him and say, I'm going to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh anymore. Why? Because we have the power. We're born again. We're new creatures in Christ. We don't need to sin anymore. We have the power to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. Isn't that powerful? I just love that. So let me share my testimony with you back when I was 26 years old, I was living a very ungodly life in a world of rock music and drugs and alcohol and girls, but I was very dissatisfied with myself. I wasn't happy with my behavior. Nothing seemed to give me any joy. I mistreated people. I was very, very unhappy, and a baptism of repentance came on me. Now, I didn't know that's what it was at the time, but it's the one that John the Baptist was talking about where it was the wooing of the Holy Spirit. A godly sorrow started to come upon me. I wanted to make a change. I wanted to get my life right before God. I needed something and didn't know how to do it. I was talking to somebody about my life, and they said, you know, what you need is Jesus. Well, those five words meant a lot to me. I knew that's what I was looking for. I knew I needed a heart change. I knew I needed something, and Jesus was the only one who could help me. 
Well, I'm not sure about how long it was after that, but I went to a church service with some friends, and I had that baptism of repentance all over me. I was ready to change my life. I was ready to repent and get my life right before God. And in that service at Rock Church of Virginia Beach on February 11, 1979, the minister gave an altar call where he said, anyone ready to receive Jesus in eternal life and be forgiven of their sins? And I was ready. Oh, was I ready. So I went forth and I prayed the sinner's prayer and I asked Jesus to come into my heart. And I realized now that what happened that day was it was the baptism of repentance that John prophesied that brought me to Christ that day. I'm so glad. I, I don't know what I'd be doing if I didn't make that change in my life back years ago. And, and I never regret it. It's not to be regretted. As a matter of fact, remember that verse that godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation not to be regretted. I've never regretted that decision in my life because I love the Lord and he's forgiven me and now I'm a new creature in Christ, which is what we're going to talk about tomorrow and we're out of time. Mark your calendar, set your clock, and tune in next time as we continue in establishing our foundation with Jesus Christ as our cornerstone. I call you blessed. You have been listening to the Choose You Netcast with Jim Langlois. If you have enjoyed this program, you can find out more about Jim Langlois Ministries on the Master's House website at tmhnow.org. That's tmhnow.org. On the media tab, you can listen to many more messages, subscribe to my daily devotional emails, and follow the link to my blog site. If you'd like to write me or become a financial partner with this ministry, my address is The Master's House, Post Office Box 1568, Mechanicsville, Virginia, 23116. That's The Master's House, Post Office Box 1568, Mechanicsville, Virginia, 23116. Online donations can also be made at tmhnow.org, and my email address is pastorjim at tmhnow.org. This is Jim Langlois saying be blessed, you and your whole household. Until next time. Choose you this day, but that's for me and my house, me and my house, me and my house.